Hello and welcome to Coffee's Ready Podcast, a snapshot of people and their stories. My name is Francisco Heredia and I am your host. Coffee's Ready is a podcast where I sit together with people to drink coffee and have a little chat. What I'm looking for are the stories that are not typically shared over an everyday conversation. Because we all have those stories and they shape the person that we are today. Coffee's Ready is a platform for people to share experiences. In this episode, Christy Kusk is a textile futurist searching for ways to join clothing and technology in a sustainable way. She speaks about her early life and career as well as some of her current projects. This conversation was recorded on August 9, 2018. And now, the coffee's ready. So welcome to uh, Coffee's Ready Podcast. Today we are here in company of, yes, we have the coffee here. We are in company of Christy Kusk. Hi, Christy, how are you? Hi, Francisco, I'm well. Did I Thank pronounce you. your name well? Yeah, Kusk. Kusk, okay, that's, that's as, as good as it gets. And, um, well, today we are doing a new test with a new setup, so we'll see how good it goes. We ask you for forgiveness in advance if the recording is not very well. So, Christy, I was reading a bit, trying to find out what is it that you do. And so far, maybe that's a good place to start. What I found so far is that you said sustainable, smart textile services. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? So, from where I started was actually a big frustration of where the fashion and garment industry is going with all these concepts of fast fashion and throwing away things and people constantly getting bored of what they are wearing. And um, I wanted to find alternatives for that. And uh, one of the alternatives that, because of my background, seemed interesting uh, was to bring technology into this equation and to understand is there a way that we could have a more sustainable fashion or clothing however you would like to approach it by implementing technologies and um, one of the ways to have technology in clothes is smart textiles or many other expressions that are out there for for it mm-hmm. uh, but in principle it means that somehow either the material itself is developed by using more advanced technology it might be integrated in there or it might use technology in the process of creating it mm-hmm. or the material somehow interacts with technology in its use so that the garment could become something more than only uh, covering the body anyway it's giving warmth to us and it's uh, regulating our moisture when training and so on but what if the garment can also be a caretaker what if it's able to understand what is happening to your body and provide this information to a medical party in a proper time and then get the treatment also already straight to the body or something like Mm -hmm. that Mm-hmm. Or, for example, um, one project was about connecting fairy tales with um, bed sheets, mm-hmm. and in that uh, specific case, there was big image on the on the bed textile, which you could see through your mobile app as well. And mm-hmm. in your mobile app, you could you could see additional life. So mm-hmm. it means that characters would appear through augmented reality mm-hmm. on the surface. And uh, my way of uh, proposing this for sustainability uh, was actually connected to the idea that this digital world is ever-changing and it can adapt to people, to situations, to time. 
and, and that itself can give a new feature to the textile, which is very static. This is all part of the work that you're doing back in your studio in uh, Estonia, where you're originally from. Yeah. Where are you living? In Tallinn, mm -hmm. uh, in Estonia. Yeah, it's a small, cute... Uh, wow, we have done sorry. Yeah, <laughs> So Tallinn. In Tallinn, yeah. So it's a, it's a small capital of Estonia, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, very conveniently located because we are a little little walk or drive away from the sea, from the forest, from nice uh, wetlands, bogs, and the old town and the city life. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a good mixture. Yeah, I think it's a nice place to be. So you come from, you're original from Estonia. You were born there, but you've lived abroad also lived abroad. in between. Yeah, so um, my first longer experience of living abroad was uh, when I went for an internship to a garment factory in Jaipur, in India. And yeah, I experienced completely different life mm -hmm. um, in the factory and also, of course, in India, in totally different setting from Estonia, where I was from. How old were you at the time? Um, so it was around university time, early 20s. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that you lived abroad? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, lived is a big word. I spent there like two and a half uh, months. Kind of. You anyway were immersed in the... Yeah, I, ne I needed to figure out where to find food, you know, where to buy toilet paper and things mm -hmm. like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Then I went back, then I continued my uh, work in, in software development where I was working in that time. Well, not as a developer, but as an analyst in a company. And um, yeah, I was, my position was analyst project manager. So okay. I was doing, it was a small company, so um, we were doing many different things. Mm -hmm. And I started, I started my master studies at the same time in mm -hmm. uh, Estonian Academy of Arts. Previously, I had finished a bachelor study in IT, and mm -hmm. now I thought, okay, it's time to, <laughs> to pursue a different direction, and I went yeah. for the master's in fashion design. Yeah, which uh, from my point of view, this would be unrelated, but maybe what yeah, was the connection? It kind of happened because I, I, I was, I had grown up in a family where my parents, my mother, uh, studied as a tailor, and she. Well, when there became an opportunity, when Estonia became independent, so 1991, mm -hmm. it was possible first time ever for my parents to actually create a company, and they did. So they started a, a garment uh, manufacturing company, mm -hmm. which was first uh, my mom alone, mm -hmm. yeah. suing. Yeah. And uh, then it, it grew little by little until at some point it was a factory of 100 people. Uh, well, now it's, uh, now it's less again, but... Uh, but it, it really gave me a kind of perspective um, and also the, the knowledge and the skills because all my summer holidays I was working there. Mm -hmm. So it was my way of life. This was what I, yeah. I knew how it works, the, mm -hmm. the factory. And um, one thing that grew with me all this time was this frustration for the waste. Like how mm -hmm. there is always these big bags of textiles, uh, leftovers, little pieces that have to go to the trash. I tried all kinds of things. I tried to collecting them and then making something out Even of them. Even back then? Even back then, okay. being like what kind seven, of things eight did you make? Uh, doll clothes. First of all, I made uh, clothes for my dolls. Uh, yeah, and it <laughs> But once the company started growing, you know, I was not able to. <laughs> even even 
in that time. I was not able to, of course, use all of this, but mm -hmm. uh, it was fun to play with those. You didn't materials. have enough dolls, probably. No, I didn't have <laughs> enough dolls, mm -hmm. nor maybe persistence to keep suing <laughs> all yeah. the time. Yeah. But I had one of these like singer machines where you have to do, um, you have to, yeah, I don't know, run the mechanical hob yeah. to so that it works. And uh, yeah, I was like um, six years old when I was <laughs> using. Six years old when you were using your sewing machine. Yeah. Wow. I just didn't have a electrical motor, right? It was mm -hmm. quite safe. But that was in the factory or? No, that was not in the factory, that was at home. Okay. Uh, in the factory, I was also, I was swing with the, with the electrical machine, with the, with the industrial machines, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was a bit later, the, yeah, I was not let there with my, <laughs> not so young, no. No, but my first uh, job in the factory was actually to, to clean up the button holes and to cut the threads from the buttons, mm -hmm. because in that time, uh, the machines that were used to make the buttonholes and the machines that were used to, to place the buttons, they left like a big thread after it. So someone had to go and manually cut it. Each, each button. Each button. Mm -hmm. And that was a good job for this kind of uh, six, seven year old uh, kids as we were mm -hmm. with my brother. <laughs> so basically that's where the, the frustration of leftover materials and the drive towards finding new ways for that industry or for fashion in general to function came from and that's why after the after the IT studies I still felt like I have something to give to this garment and fashion industry as well mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I started the master studies with the proposal of uh, reusing or upcycling leftover materials of the factories towards uh, something usable my topic over the two years of study completely changed but the goal was the same mm -hmm. to find more sustainable ways for that industry okay. yeah this was all still in estonia uh, this was in estonia mm -hmm. during my masters i I did one year of exchange study in Brazil, in University of São Paulo, uh, which is also where I met one of the inspirations for, for my future directions. Um, That's uh, Pelé. Susanna Aveler. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> Susanna Aveler. And she, so she was a professor, or she is still a professor in University of São Paulo. Mm -hmm. And her work is about uh, technology as the second skin of people and uh, that was very inspiring to me so i was very happy to get the chance to work with her she was the uh, supervisor for my master's thesis where i investigated what technology can be in clothes and in fashion looking in those different examples and uh, developing a small collection of uh, uh, knitted scarves that were made of indeed leftover materials from a knitting factory uh, but they had little electronic electronical components in them so mm -hmm. for example there was a scarf that um, uh, that started to give you a, a massage on your neck when you would lie down or there was a scarf that started to play music when you would start spinning on the street so i wanted to connect these more conceptual ways of fashion where it's maybe not so important to work with quantities but more about expressing an idea with the collection uh, to the technology and with this yeah, simple means that, that I was able to do, I tried to, yeah, try to, to yeah, finalize one of these first attempts of integrating technology into clothing and through that making it more somehow meaningful or more personal to the people wearing it. Mm -hmm. That's when the technology came into as one of the pillars of your work. Yeah. Yeah, so that's okay. where it 
kind of started. So then after after this project, actually while I was still finishing the project, I came across one opportunity in Eindhoven, in, uh, in the Technical University there. And it was a PhD position which was focusing on the integration of uh, technology and textiles. And it seemed to seemed very interesting for me, so I applied, and not even knowing what I would go into. But uh, yeah, so getting that position, I was very excited and, and uh, started a completely new journey into that field and mm-hmm. touching depths that I wouldn't even imagine before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's also, the, I suppose, for the people that you had around to discuss, yeah, to see what the new possibilities were. Yeah. And uh, it was a good environment, it was a good input it for was, you. It was very nice environment, it was super supportive. The, the knowledge around me every day was inspiring and all the connections <coughs> that were built and opened and maybe sometimes even forced <laughs> by the supervisors. Uh, I appreciate it a lot and I see how this helped me to develop and also these connections to develop or new things to emerge from them mm-hmm. yeah we we worked closely with the industry mm-hmm. and that helped us to achieve levels with the projects that that were recognized internationally oh, wow. mm-hmm. from uh, from different parties both from the industrial side but also from the academic side and uh, that kind of really gave us strength or yeah. push to work harder and to go for it's a big challenge it's a big challenge that you have because usually fashion is portrayed as or maybe per- perceived as something superficial or mm-hmm. something that you can easily discard so the, yeah i think it's challenging so for example uh, now you mentioned uh, the idea of changing the idea of fashion from mm-hmm. being very outward mm-hmm. into something that is actually meaningful and that's uh, that's what one project that I'm working on now is mm-hmm. uh, is about. So it's called Magic Lining and we work together in a group with neuroscientists and psychologists to understand how different materials, different e-textiles could trigger sensations in a person that would actually change the, their perception of themselves. Wow. So for, for example, um, as an artistic approach, we took these very clear uh, three directions that we would like the person to be able to feel as if they would be a cloud. So I walk around, yeah, I walk around in my dress and I feel like I'm a cloud. Uh, or then I change the program and I feel like water or I change the program and I feel like rock or something mm-hmm. concrete. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the underlying idea behind it and what the scientists are working with is the, the ability to, to understand uh, what, what this can do to people's uh, activity, for example. So if you can be motivated to move more through these kind of impulses mm-hmm. or what you hear or what you sense. And for me, that's very interesting because it's basically what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to change the behavior um, towards a more ethical and sustainable world through the clothing. So mm-hmm. it really needs to deal with the inside less than more than the outside. Mm-hmm. And that is a challenge. How do you do that shift? So that's why we call it magic. 
magic lining because it's inside but it's magical yeah because it's very sort of typical and traditional that you look look yourself from the mirror yeah and you do get a certain self-perception but it's not based on how you're feeling or, or how your body is feeling but it's really based on how do you look like mm -hmm. or how do you think that others will see you. see you and I think that's one of the very interesting directions for me at the moment to yeah to work with that inner side and, and to see how materials can contribute to that mm -hmm. you know. Big challenge you have ahead. <laughs> Big challenge. I wish you a lot of success in this. Thank you. Uh, now changing a bit the topic, you mentioned you mentioned already 1991 yeah. as an important date for Estonia. Yeah, it's a re-independence. Re re right? Could you maybe just give a very short summary on what does this mean in the history of Estonia? So Estonia originally was created as a country uh, 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. We are celebrating our 100th birthday now. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so together with the other Baltic countries, it had a very fluctuating uh, time period after that but um, so 1991 was the, the moment when it uh, regained its independence again so it was uh, could get gain its independence from the Soviet Union and start to develop as, a, as an independent country mm -hmm. so in that sense it's it's very of course very important moment and well for me personally it defines the opportunities that I had mm -hmm. because if I would have born 10 years earlier the view to the world would have been a completely different one but yeah for me when I went to my first grade in the elementary school then it was still Soviet Union but when I finished my first grade it was already Republic of Estonia so okay was a mm -hmm. kind of a changing times and being being that young do you remember noticing a difference well I think a lot of it is based on the stories that I keep hearing from my parents or from my family but of course I remember some things um, yeah but do you want me to talk about it yeah <laughs> I, I felt like you were going to start but I, <laughs> some I things like I don't know yeah. what, what kind of things because in this was like I mean obviously many things changed in the society yeah but, yeah, but, but, so but I mean you were young at the time so what yeah. were the things that you could really notice being what different for me. so some things appeared you know that were not there before like for example the famous idea for us is bananas like you know we didn't have bananas before <laughs> they came after that okay it's <laughs> <laughs> really like simple things because everything everything was controlled I mean in the Soviet Union you couldn't really see uh, media from outside or you couldn't see movies or any input outside of the Union itself and and when it was finished suddenly everything opened up all this international uh, information and um, opportunities you could suddenly start to travel and yeah so it's actually it's very hard to say what remained the same i think everything changed okay it was really the drastic change that super drastic change yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i kept thinking about the bananas but <laughs> yeah, uh, no but it's it's a funny thing right so now right now you don't have any but I remember from a lot of the pictures that I saw in your work you have these big rings yeah mm, yeah I do like them where, do you like big rings I like big rings where, do, where does this come from I don't know that's uh, no one has ever asked me that <laughs> question well I know as I already mentioned one of my great inspirations Susan Avalar she mm -hmm. really also she had big rings and I really liked okay. that it was when I noticed the beauty of big rings mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if that's where it came from 
maybe an example of a very special ring in your collection? Um, I have quite a lot of special rings. One good friend of mine is a jewelry designer mm -hmm. and she, she, from her I have uh, different rings. For example, I have a ring that she made still during her studies, which is a very heavy triangle that if I, <laughs> if I wear it, sometimes I'm afraid of, um, I, of hurting someone or yeah. hurting myself with okay. it because it's really, it's really strong and uh -huh. kind of sharp. Um, but like mainly her focus is actually to do things that are a little bit hidden and I really like that about her work because mm -hmm. it's for example rings that look really plain from outside and then have a little structure inside so mm -hmm. you can feel it on your finger but you cannot see it you can actually only know that it's there um, and yeah then I just find rings from places if I travel I find some rings sometimes mm -hmm. and to be honest even people have uh, given me rings sometimes because they know that I like them and they found something that they thought that I might like and so yeah the collection keeps growing has, yeah and I mean every present is also very special so yeah yeah of course of course a lot of special things and also friends um, have made rings so that's also very 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 special yeah. um, is there an Estonian, so a, a saying from your country that you really identify yourself with? Um, I think one that um, that I sometimes keep thinking, or it, it keeps popping up in the international environment where I might be quite often, um, is about silence and talking. So mm -hmm. there is one saying that that refers. Um, talking to be silver and uh, silence to be gold. So it really means like that that talking is nice but to be quiet might be even better mm -hmm. and uh, I think sometimes it makes me think because it's not culturally everywhere the same and mm -hmm. I wonder how much these kind of things have shaped me in the interactions that I have and in the relationships that I have with other people but I have no idea if the saying has anything to do with that but or this is, it's all also yeah. about interpretation right we yeah. were talking a little bit before this and you were saying that sometimes you, when you're in a group you decide to perhaps not say some idea that you have because you may be worried that it may not be interesting or useful to the conversation at hand but also to yeah. all the people participating in that conversation whereas were you in an individual setting then maybe you wouldn't have any concerns about sharing that same idea um, yeah only if I knew that then it would be interesting for that person yeah. that I'm talking to because yeah. if I would still not be sure if that idea might be interesting then I would talk about a different idea yeah. okay. yeah. it's easier to navigate one person than to that, that's true. the whole group yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> that can be tricky to navigate that's a very that's a very interesting choice of words for talking to someone yeah so currently then you have your own projects there in your studio in uh, Tallinn and you're also working as an associate professor in the University the of Estonian Arts, Academy the Estonian Arts. Academy of Arts, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> um, if people would like to see your work uh, or maybe get in contact with you, where can they do that? Mm, so my website has some of the projects up. It's uh, www www.kristikusk.com and um, yeah so this basically has links to all the other projects for example 
Yeah, no, there's no example. <laughs> yeah, or go to the Instagram or Facebook and there's also... Go to the Instagram there. and Facebook. Um, very well, I think this we should stop for now. Uh, <laughs> I'm really glad to have shared this time with you, Christy. Me too, Did thank you. Did you have fun? I had fun. Did you enjoy it? Navigate inside. Uh, navigate. <laughs> navigation is very important. Uh, so uh, it was nice. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you uh, as well. You're welcome again anytime. <laughs> and uh, a lot of success in your current and future projects. Thank and you. hopefully soon we will see this smart second skin. I don't know. Uh, there was a very. There were too many terms, but I kind of get the idea. Okay. Thank you, Christy. Cool. Thank Talk you, Francisco. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram and SoundCloud at Coffee's Ready Podcast. Your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you liked and tell us what could be improved. This will make the show better every time. The music is Happy Rock by Bensound.com. The cover photography is by Anis Pratt from Unsplash. And the logo and episode cover design is by Patricia Heredia. Until the next time. <laughs>